Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. This week is something a little different. This is our annual FPL preseason special with the other Dave in the Plus Dave family, Dave Pricey Price, who joins me for the second year running because he has indeed won the Plus Dave Super League, aka our FPL Mini League, for the second year running. Pricey, welcome back to the show and congratulations on another excellent outing in FPL. Is that back-to-back top 20k or have I just flattered you a little bit there? No, you haven't. It is is back-to-back top 20k candidly I'm a bit disappointed because I really wanted a top 10k this year or you last year I should say so can we get yeah, a real expert terrible. on please because that's yeah. not good enough quite frankly well I, I I say to anyone who's new to the plus Dave league that's the low benchmark to winning because <laughs> <laughs> anything kind of greater than 15k and you're pretty much guaranteed to win pretty much yeah I mean I'm not going to be challenging those kind of numbers myself I can tell you that from now I feel like I've been doing it long enough to know that on that point while you brought it up you can all join our FPL league and for those of you who wondering what the hell this is all about i'll explain what fpl is in a moment just in case we're going to lose some of you um but you can join our fpl mini league by adding the code 4grd8o if you're joining after last week's episode with John McKenzie from TIFO, you're probably very confused and expecting a much more in-depth, tactical, deep dive into Spurs and tactics and real football rather than this glorified video game that we're going to be talking about today. So I'm hoping a couple of you new listeners that came off the back of that are at least remotely interested in this. Um, one thing that will overlap with that episode is there's quite a lot of use of stats and analysis and the whole debate of the eye test versus the data. So we'll get into all of that in a little bit. And Pricey will be here to usher us through give us all his top tips maybe not all his top tips because he still wants to win but he's going to give us a little bit of insight into how he approaches fpl and a few little tips and tricks before that though a short story for you fpl listeners this is the tragic tale of the one and only arsenal fan who was competing in our mini league last year who i expect might be listening and if you're listening hello paul This is a story about Paul Doherty, who, much like his beloved Arsenal, took an early lead in our mini-league last year and held top spot for pretty much the entire season and was right up there until the very last week, game week 38, where this man here today (laughs) overtook him in dramatic last-second fashion in what was possibly one of the greatest bottle jobs in the history of FPL. So, Paul, commiserations. I'm sure you'll be trying to do one better this time, but I had to bring that up. Pricey, a word (laughs) for your fallen brother in FPL. I... I, I got really lucky, to be honest. Um, <laughs> we were talking about it on the last day of the season. It was the Kane assist that kind of won me the title and arguably yeah. it probably shouldn't have been an assist um, yeah. because it took a heavy deflection on the way yeah. through. And wasn't it by like a single point as well? It was really down to the wire. It was, yeah. It was literally down one point. <laughs> I, if Paul hadn't have taken a four-point hit to bring in Eze on the last day, he oh. would have won. So. 
Some people can't handle the, the pressure. Same, when, yeah. when it comes down to crunch time, you know, some people in Arsenal shirts just can't handle it. What can we say? Oh, what can we say? Um, well, no, it was it was an epic, epic battle, let's say, all, it the, way, all the way through the season. I feel I feel for Paul because, as I say, he, got, he did get very unlucky, but I'm, I'm also not going to complain <laughs> too much as, <laughs> no. as, a, as a two-time champion. And you're representing Spurs as well. It wouldn't be right if an Arsenal fan had won the Plus Day podcast, maybe would it? So you, you definitely did us all a favour there. I think that is the people's choice. Speaking of the last episode, you actually got an indirect mention. <laughs> I was just telling you about this before. We were talking about FC Volendam from the Dutch second tier, I think they are nowadays. Um, yeah. and oh, no, no, they're back in the Eredivisie. Oh, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Oh, clearly, you've been keeping a closer eye on this team who hold a special place in our hearts. The story, yeah. for those of you who missed it last week, was we were talking about Mickey van der Ven, who started his career at Volendam. And of course, he's heavily linked to Spurs. And we were talking about the days where we used to play Pro Evo 2009, uh, where Pricey here was considerably better than Elio and me and to make it even remotely fair and to give us a chance he had to be the worst team on the game which was Volendam and we were basically whoever we wanted and he'd still usually <laughs> usually beat us just like he does in FPL have you followed the careers of the, the legends of the Volendam defence the bone uh, crunches not not serious in <laughs> Bacons and Henny Schilder yeah. what Koenig. absolute legends yep. uh, Koning, yeah the destroyer Koning yeah. <laughs> uh, the destroyer yeah <laughs> I feel like we're losing listeners. Uh, you know what? Yeah. You know what? Let's let's talk about FPL because I feel like we're a good five minutes in and I haven't even said what FPL is yet. And I'm conscious there might be a handful still clinging on to this episode who would love to hear about it. So FPL, of course, stands for Fantasy Premier League. And I'm going to do my best to explain what that is and how you play it and the general rules. And Pricey, jump in at any moment if I'm talking rubbish. But essentially, it is a fantasy football game where you pick a squad of 15 Premier League players at the beginning of the season. And as the season goes on, every week you get a transfer transfer they're all valued according to whatever the premier league has determined their value is you've got 100 million to spend and your job is to find the optimal combination of players that will get you the most points and points are generally awarded for goals assists clean sheets and various other little fidgety bits like bonus points and stuff like that that we won't get into and you can only have three players from any one team the other key thing is you have to choose a captain every week so if you're playing fpl every week you choose a captain and it's really simple actually all you do is you pick Erling Haaland as your captain that's, you that's basically Holland. how it works in fact I'm not, I'm not convinced you can pick anyone else if it'll even actually let you uh, but no jokes aside you pick a captain they get double points there's a chip that allows you to triple captain if you're going really all out if Haaland's playing Spurs for example and you think he's going to score four goals and there are various other chips that we can get into but essentially that's what it is and you know go and have a look into yourself if you want to play even if it's your first time playing FPL have a go at it genuinely if you just take it seriously every week and do your transfers you'll probably do okay there's a bit of luck involved but we're here to talk about the rest of the skills needed and that is knowledge and uh, experience right mm -hmm. so here we are first of all how are you feeling ahead of the new season are you confident of securing the three peats making it triple champion I've, I've got to be if i if i wasn't confident of becoming a triple champion then i don't think it would make it happen positive <laughs> mindset and that's how we're going to we're going to achieve things. exactly um but yeah do you know i'm i'm really excited for this year for a number of reasons and I think FPL was in a really tricky spot because you've, you've mentioned Haaland there, who yeah. basically became a perma-captain all season. And we've had this previously with Salah where the game loses some of its edge where there is one captain that 80% of the kind of whole player base or game base go to every single week. Yeah. So they needed to change things up and they've done that. We can come into that in a bit more detail, but they've done that really well. Yeah. Couple that with actually a league that, yes, will probably be won by City again, but actually then in the rest of it is fairly wide 
wide open. And there's a lot of big clubs that don't have European football. There are clubs that are new in Europe, but were playing some really exciting football last year. And I think have been really well priced. So, I, I mean, when we get into some of the drafts, some of the options where players can go, you will start to see that, actually teams can look dramatically different even in terms of that week one draft mm. and for me that's really exciting because it's just an opportunity to um, say go in have fun and kind of play the game your way so obviously the prices for this year are out and every year the prices change if a player has an absolute stormer they'll go up in price and vice versa so we've looked at the prices do you think touching what you just said now do you think that they've addressed the balance a little bit in such a way that not everyone's going to have the same team it's not as easy to fit in all the kind of meta template stand players that everyone else has do you think that they've actually made the right changes so that we'll see a bit more variety because it felt like by the end of last year everyone had pretty much the same players in their team the same which ruins the game a little bit doesn't it yeah i think they do i don't think people have done that yet if you look at the ownership stats across all of the players there is a really clear template formation there's a template team that's coming out And that in itself provides opportunity to tweak, to change, to look at differentials within that. But I I think the big change this year is they've looked at what would previously be called the premium players. So these are the players at the top of the game who are expected to score the most points and therefore they cost the most. So it's Mo Salah, it's Haaland, it's Kane, it's Trent Alexander-Arnold. And what they've done this year is they've all nudged them up a little bit from where Mm. they were last year, putting them into fairly new price brackets. So Haaland is 14 million and I think it's it's been a good eight, nine years since we've had like a 14 million striker. I think Ronaldo was up there once. Yeah, you know, Trent's 8 million. Maybe Omri. What this has done is, whereas last year, towards the end of the season... And a lot of this was empowered by the fact that we had loads of value picks through the season. So if you remember Newcastle in the first half of the season, Almiron Mm. was dirt cheap. Brighton in the second half of the season, all of their midfielders were dirt cheap. You had playing four and a half million midfielders. What that enabled was that three premium setup. So you could have Salah, Kane, Haaland, all three of them in your team. This year, they've priced it so that that is virtually impossible. And even actually having two of them plus Trent is really, really tough. And I think that's where it's going to create this whole world of openness and opportunity because actually you've got to go into that tier down Mm -hmm. to then build the rest of your team. So yeah, I think they've dressed it really well this year and I'm excited to kind of see where, where people land on game week one. I'm excited. I have no idea what my team's going to be yet. And I must admit, this is the least prepared I've ever been at this stage, I think. I, I've normally done about six or seven different drafts. I've done some research. I've looked into it. This year, I pretty much just opened the app, had a stab at it, and my team is where I left it after that. So I'm, I will tell you my team, but you've got to go easy on me and don't be too savage on judging it. So essentially, does this mean that you can't have all the big boys in your team? Is that the idea here? Is it that you can't go, oh, right, I'm going to put in Harlan, Kane, Salah, Trent, Saka, yeah. Graham? and then a load of nobodies that are sent for relegation <laughs> fodder to make up the number. Is that basically? Yeah, exactly that. And then I think what they've also then done is in previous years, they've had a number of players around that 10 to 11 million price yeah. point, which is a bit of a no man's land. It's been too expensive to get too many of them into your team. And you kind of have to have them over a premium player, for example. But this year they've all dropped them mm. down. So realistically, apart from De Bruyne, who would be quite keen to come back to him. And it looks like it's going to be injured for game week one, but actually I think immediately right there 
there is a differential in the early part of the season. But actually under De Bruyne, the next most expensive is the two nine millions in Rashford and Son. Mm. And, you know, Son, season before last, was a top scoring midfielder. So I already starting to see really good value, I guess, in that kind of chasing yeah. pack that are a lot cheaper than those kind of really expensive players. So basically players. the trick is to find somebody that had an unnaturally shocking season like Son and was adjusted accordingly in their price, who are now massively undervalued, right? In theory. In theory. We'll talk about some specific players. I want to ask you about a few specific popular players. And you mentioned differentials there. Essentially, what you mean by that is players with low ownership, right? So that if they score big points, you'll get a better benefit from it because, you know, Haaland gets a hat-trick, everyone gets his points because everyone has Haaland. It's not quite as exciting. Um, Whereas there are some players that are kind of hidden gems that, you know, only you've got in your team or only relatively few people have. So we'll talk about some of those in a minute, but we'll also talk about some of the more popularly owned players as well and just see what you think of all of them. But before that, can we talk about Spurs? Because this is, after all, a Tottenham podcast (laughs) and... Spurs are a bit of an unknown quantity. We talked at length in the last couple of episodes about Postacoglu. We had our first preseason friendly today, which we lost 3-2 in a very exciting game, which has told us something in that Spurs are going to have a lot of shots, they're going to have a lot of attacks, but they're also going to concede goals, which is useful information. Um, what do you make of the Spurs players this year now that they've got their prices, including, of course, Madison, who's come in at 7.5 million? Anyone mm-hmm. standing out for you? Obviously, Kane was the second highest scorer in the whole of FPL last season, so assuming he's stays which is kind of up in the air interesting to look at him he's gone up from 11 to 12.5 what are your thoughts on Spurs assets I'm excited for Spurs assets not necessarily for game week one Mm. and the the reason for that is even if we get a feel for how we're going to set up pre-season and I think the first half 11 for today in the West Ham match is probably not too far yeah. away. I guess kind of how we'd set up, probably not the, the ideal starting 11. I think you'd probably drop Mana Solomon for Son and I'd be very surprised if Regulon is, is kind of starting. That was that was the biggest shock to me was Regulon was Who kind knows? of starting. If he starts, start, the, next, kind of if he starts the next friendly, um, we might have to start thinking about it. But to be fair, Yudogi looks excellent when he came on from what I've seen. So uh, yeah, he did. Let's, he, he did. let's not make excited. any assumptions. And this is actually where I think Spurs players will give you a lot of value value as the season progresses because actually there are lots of players that have been completely forgotten about underpriced by FPL and then are sitting there potentially as a first choice starter in an 11 at a much cheaper price so you mentioned Destiny there he's 4.5 million as potentially our starting left back so if you're looking for a budget attacking left back Super, super cheap. And he got a hell of a load of assists and goals in Serie A last season from left back as well. And we already saw from that first half that one of the kind of holding mid positions was dropping back into defence to create three to enable Porro and surge to kind of push forward so yeah a bit like what Dyer used to do under Pochettino back in the day yeah yeah, yeah. I'm I'm yeah so I'm I'm quietly confident so that, I mean mm. there's an example you know Gio uh, obviously kind of played in the second half today and, and kind of obviously got a goal and had good impact I've not even looked at his price but I can imagine he's dirt cheap just um, wondering that actually because I've got him listed down in my cheap budget options my bench budget enablers later on <laughs> so we're jumping ahead but Tongi Ndombele who is yeah. um, a divisive figure to say the least he's 4.5 million which is absolute rock bottom bench for the price and it stands the reason five, that, five million know, for Lo Celso five million there for you go. And, he, and he looks good today and, and, and on paper both of them are, are very realistic number eight options for an Ange Postecoglou yeah. system as we've all discussed so look they're probably not going to sign every game and <laughs> it might depend on an injury but if suddenly 
James Madison picks up a knock in preseason or, or something like that, or one of them just gets in favour in the team, suddenly that's a really well-priced option, isn't it? Mana Solomon is is 5.5 and, and looks yeah. as though he will probably deputise to Son on the left and Richarlison will probably pay deputy to Kane up front. Yeah, that's the thing with Spurs. Kane is the only player that you can pretty much say he's, or the only player that you would pick in FPL at least. Him and Madison yeah. that you're like, they will definitely play. Everyone else is a bit of a question mark over them, which will impact their price in FPL because if there's only a 50-50 chance that they will be the main player in their position for the season, they can't price them that highly, can yeah. they? They're not nailed on. I to think start. For, for me, if Kane if Kane picks up an injury, Richarlison is an absolute no brainer because he's sitting in midfield. Yeah. And one of the things we've not talked about is reclassified players then playing out of position. So what I mean by that is a player who predominantly plays in say a more forward position on the pitch than FPL gives them from a game point of view. So the classic example from, I guess, a couple of seasons ago was Stuart Dallas at Leeds. He was kind of <laughs> playing almost in an attacking midfield role, but yeah. he was classified as a defender on, on FPL. And what they do at the end of every season is they look at the average amount of time spent in each position through the last season, and they classify the player depending on that data. So yeah. Richarlison, because he spent all of last season playing out on the left wing when he came onto the pitch, mm. has been reclassified as a midfielder. Whereas uh, under the new system, if Kane gets injured, we can probably assume Richarlison is going to come in and play up top. So immediately you've got a midfielder. And the benefit of that is midfielders score a point more per goal than a striker. They can also pick up points for clean sheets, just a a single point. But Mm -hmm. if you're then looking at that over the course of the season, a midfielder will generally always outscore a striker unless you're Erling Haaland. Um, (laughs) A 7 million potential striker sitting in midfield, Mm -hmm. to me, looks like amazing value if Kane gets injured or there's some sort of tweak to the team that means he starts a lot more regularly. I think that's one of the biggest criticisms about FPL. That's one thing that I've always rolled my eyes at a little bit. You know, who decided that Mo Salah is a midfielder, Saka is a <laughs> midfielder, basically anyone who plays out wide nominally, even if there's someone who spends most of their time lurking around the penalty box classified as a midfielder. I, I don't know quite how they decide it but it's it's not quite ideal is it but it does make it a bit interesting and obviously some players are being reclassified and then you've got the interesting angle of injuries coming in or in this case suspensions so the one that comes to mind is Brian Mbomo who I think mm-hmm. is classified as a midfielder this year was a striker last year if I'm not mistaken obviously yeah. Ivan Tony has uh, been off making his bets and he's been a naughty boy he's out for a long time so it's likely that Mbomo might not guaranteed but he might be the starting striker I think it's between him and Visser uh, at the moment uh, yeah. which I'm assuming Tony bet on Mbomo to be Brentford's top scorer this season <laughs> maybe he just <laughs> maybe he was just captaining strikers that were playing against Brentford last year <laughs> that wouldn't surprise yeah. me captaining the goalkeeper that he was facing anyway we'll, we'll, we'll leave him alone for now he's had enough abuse but but yeah that's obviously an interesting angle and something to keep in mind when deciding who to pick obviously when it comes to the defenders you want to be picking defenders that get forward who are essentially midfielders fullbacks wingbacks who are classified as defenders who will get clean sheet points but basically play in the final third or obviously a dream Trent Alexander-Arnold is another classic out of position player we talked about him very expensive at 8 million but for good reason in that he's a midfielder now but he's still down as a defender for the purposes mm-hmm. of the game and you know let's not get bogged down in tactics he's we'll say he's a midfielder getting on to the rest of the teams then so that's spurs i think it's also worth mentioning james madison at 7.5 caught my eye i think if we had slightly better fixtures that would be yeah. quite exciting 
even if he is adjusting to a new team. You know, and then actually, one of the things we've not touched on yet is that fixtures drive form and fixtures are so important. And yeah. you could select all of you know the informed players, but they have a terrible run of fixtures. We're about to jump onto other teams. Newcastle are a great example of this this year. Loads right. of people will be jumping on Trippier because he was one of the top scoring, if not the top scoring defender last year, I think. Um, you know, Wilson had an amazing end to the season. Their fixtures are awful in the mm. first eight nine game weeks and so so they have aston villa man city liverpool brighton brentford in the first five yeah not and ideal. then it gets worse oh really oh. <laughs> they just have they have the worst run of games so um, to ask another way so who, who has the best fixtures from what you've seen there from looking at the, the fdr the fixture difficulty rating who stands out to you as a team to target well, it's 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 got to be Chelsea. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I mean, they start with Liverpool at home, but then after that, it starts getting a lot nicer. So it's Liverpool home, West Ham away, Luton home, Forest home, Bournemouth away. So that's not terrible by any means. Even Liverpool at home, you never know. There's a home game to start the season off. Yeah, so after after Liverpool, they've got West Ham. So Chelsea have got West Ham, Luton, Forest, Bournemouth, Villa, Fulham, Burnley, Arsenal in nine, and then Brentford mm. in ten. So that's eight weeks of actually fairly like consistently good fixtures before they have Arsenal and you've got enough knowledge and insight and data to potentially jettison players um, yeah. heading into that game. You never know. Arsenal could be completely capitulating. We all can all but hope um, at that stage <laughs> in the season because well, they're trying to play everything through Declan Rice and he just trips over every five minutes. Well, um, looking at their fixtures, I'd be surprised if that's the case because they're one of the ones <laughs> that stand out to me as having... I, well, no, I, I, I'm going to completely go against what I've said there and I, I would agree 100%. <laughs> that yeah. Arsenal Arsenal for two, twofold. Their their fixtures look great, and they're also really underpriced. So I I, mm. I I will talk about this in one of my kind of top tips about whether you should triple up on a team or not. Arsenal, yeah. I think, are probably the one team you want to triple up on at the start of the season because of the quality of the games, the form going into the yeah. season, but also the pricing. I think what happened is that they were so dramatically underpriced last season based on what they ended up going on to do that it would have been ridiculous to bring them up to where they should be because, you know, you've got Saka at whatever he was, 7 million. He should probably be 10 million now off the back of last season, but that would have seemed like too steep a jump, you know? So yeah, Arsenal players are definitely underpriced and worth having a look at. That is, of course, if you are one of the Spurs fans playing FPL that allows themselves to include Arsenal players, which I know many of you listening will not and I respect you for it. Unfortunately, I am a little bit too competitive and my morals go out the window when it comes to <laughs> FPL. So I, um, I I made it through most of last season without Arsenal players, but then they started winning every game and I had to I had to basically go for it. Um, who else stands out for you in the early fixture list? Uh, so well, actually, I'm, I'm going to jump back to Spurs. So after okay. the kind of Brentford and Man United game, we've got Bournemouth, Burnley, Sheffield. Okay, yes, yeah, so then we've got Arsenal, Liverpool, but then we go into a run of Luton, Fulham and, and, and Crystal Palace. Palace. So mm. there's actually six nice fixtures within that first 10. And then again, I think we might need a couple of games to work out what that starting 11 is going to look like. But actually, that's a perfect time off these first two games to potentially bring a James Madison in at 7.5 on set pieces. Looked great today when he was on the ball and um, was already kind of looking super, super creative with some really like interesting stuff going into the box, which we've just not had in a long, yeah. long time. So yeah, it's, it's th there are a number of Spurs players that I'm going to be watching very closely and if I can find a way to get Kane into my team alongside Haaland 
I would absolutely <laughs> want him in there for, for that third game week. So yeah, Spurs for me, they've got to be one to watch. You've mentioned Brentford. Brentford have got great fixtures. I mean, they, they, they beat us at the end of last season and obviously we go to them for game week one. I can see Brentford getting something out of that, even if it's a goal or two. I and mean, we touched mm-hmm. upon the fact that there's no even Tony. They've got Wissa, they've got Mbermo. There's, I guess, kind of stuff going on. One of the interesting things of Brentford is FPL priced up right at 5 million. Because at mm. the end of last season, he was the top scoring goalkeeper. If he leaves, Flecken is only 4.5 million. There's potentially that is interesting. a very, very interesting option. So yeah, Brentford had some really good games. After us, they've got Fulham, Palace, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Everton, Forest. They played Man United in game week eight. Then they've got Burnley and then they've got Chelsea. So yeah, Brentford have some really good fixtures as well. I don't know about that. I'm getting PTSD to Danny Ward last year when everyone thought they'd uncovered a genius move of picking the backup keeper to a keeper who was leaving when Casper Schmeichel joined Nice (laughs) and then Leicester were an absolute disaster. I mean, I don't think Brentford will do the same, but it does give me a little bit of a worry. So is that how you start things off then? Because I must admit, I basically just opened up FPL. I didn't even look at the fixtures. I'm going to be completely honest. I, I was planning on taking it a bit more seriously before the start of the season, but I opened up the app i went through and i was like oh he's a good price he's a good price oh i like him <laughs> i just went through i picked the players that i knew i was going to have i wanted madison i put harlan straight in because he's harland and and i just kind of eyeballed it that's obviously not the way you should go about picking your team how do you start things off when the prices come out and the fixtures are announced and you've got the whole of fpl staring at you what's the first thing you do to pick your team and what would you advise people to do at this point so this year i, I didn't actually look at the prices on price reveal i basically built a team without worrying how much it cost and then i tried to work out how much of it i could actually fit in um, i like based on the prices naturally it didn't work (laughs) because of what did um, it come to like 110 million or something probably more like (laughs) just (laughs) outrageous did you try and have three harlands yeah um but the first thing i did was I, i looked at the fixtures and i looked at the games and i i then said how many players from each team do I want and ideally in what positions for that first eight, nine game weeks. And the re- the reason I'm planning yeah. so far in advance is last year was a little bit different because of the World Cup. We effectively all got an additional wild card in game week 16, I think it was. So actually the first half of the season, you had to use your wild card within the first 16 game weeks and then you could change it again. So everyone had like a, a team that was set up for the first few game weeks they wildcarded out of it, did the next eight game weeks, and then went into the World Cup and changed their team again. Yeah. This year, you've got to remember that we only get two wildcards. We get one in the first half of the season, one in the second half. A wildcard, for anyone who doesn't know, is basically just saying, screw this, I hate my whole team, I'm going to change everything. And you just get a free go at just replacing your entire team and having unlimited transfers. Well, I mean, that's how I play it. I think most people are a bit more strategic yeah. about it than that. But, and that's, yeah. that's it. You've got to be strategic around when you want to play it. And if you use the first one really early on, you're potentially then going for a whole season before you actually then use the second one or it forces you to use the second one really early in the second half of the season and you can't maximize the use of it later on. So for Mm. me, I I look at those first 10 fixtures and I say, who has the best games? Who do I then need from those fixtures? Because ultimately, again, fixtures drive form. And that's where I landed on Chelsea, so for those 10 game weeks, I probably want one or two assets. Look, still Chelsea. They finished terribly the end of last year. 
they've sold some players. It'd be interesting to see how they perform under Pochettino. He's a much, much better manager than Lampard. Um, I don't think uh, anyone would challenge (laughs) challenge us on that i'm still going in with an air of caution it's still chelsea but again when we look at prices sterling again who is a player that has scored above 200 points on multiple occasions in prior seasons is 7 million now he might not be first choice and we just don't know how pochettino is going to line up in that system but if he is first choice as one of those front three roles that is potentially mm. really good value. Um, I'm going to say a name here that's... Actually, no, I'm not, because I've got another differential, so we'll save it when we come on to okay. okay. differentials. And, and to remind you, I am going to ask you to reveal, exclusively reveal your current draft <laughs> at some stage. So, Excellent. you know, yeah, you, can, yeah. you can obviously wait until you do that if you want to talk in a bit more detail about specific players yeah, yeah. and why you rate them. I just want to talk about Erling Haaland, because obviously he's now 14 million, which is outrageous, as we touched on before. He was 11 million last season and excellent value for it. Do you think there is any way that anybody should be brave enough to consider going without him in their team? No. Is there a potential upside on it, or is it just a non-negotiable? No, because you're, you're and that's <laughs> that's the problem. It's it's a non-negotiable. The challenge, if eighty percent of the mm. game have Haaland, and then Haaland, yeah. you know, they're playing Burnley game week one, and Man City love yeah. scoring five goals against Burnley. Oh. It's it's well known, and if Haaland scores three in your them, week, you're already off the pace of eighty percent of the game. So just don't. <laughs> don't even try yeah. it and you can't watch man city games you just you wouldn't be able to watch them it would just be horrible from start to finish if you didn't have Haaland in your team knowing that not only does 80 percent of fpl have him but they've also probably got him captained yeah. probably a good idea to go with him and go with him from the beginning as well i had a conversation with myself this time last year that went a little bit like this i was like ah you know what this Haaland kid he's he's pretty good He's, he's not bad. He scored about a million goals in the Bundesliga, but this is Premier League now. You know, he's going to take a little bit of time to adjust. He's going to take a few games to get going, learn his new team. You know, a lot of players have come over from the Bundesliga and not quite hit the ground running. So I'll uh, put Harry Kane in instead, give it a few games and see if this uh, Norwegian kid knows what he's doing. And then maybe I'll think about putting him in. And fast forward three or four weeks and he's got about three hat-tricks <laughs> and I'm in six millionth in the, in the charts and it's just an absolute disaster. I basically spent the rest of FBL playing catch up to make up for that. So yeah, basically put Harlan in your team, work the rest of it around it. So you've actually got an 86 million pound budget. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's at 85% ownership. So (laughs) he is, he is indeed, which is outrageous. 15% that think they can (laughs) outscore 85% of the game. I must say, I salute you. And I think I mentioned this last year, and I also want to drop it in here. A guy who won FPL a couple of seasons ago was an Everson fan who went the whole season without putting Salah in or any Liverpool players for that matter, which I respect. I absolutely respect. And he won the whole of FPL globally without the by far best player in FPL, which just goes to show that theoretically, if you spread the money you save out well enough, you could spring something. But um, it would take a braver man than me to try that particular approach. Um, you mentioned Harlan's 85% owned. I want to talk through the top 10 most owned players and just get your initial reactions to them and whether you think that they are overrated or underrated or whether you would consider them. Um, obviously, we talked about Haaland. The second most selected player currently is Bukayo Saka. We talked about Arsenal's fixtures. Yeah. Obviously, there are many options from Arsenal, but pretty clear to see why he's so highly owned, right? Yeah, 100%. If you look at that 40 million price tag, he is 5.5 cheaper. He's only 8.5, playing in midfield. 
on penalties yeah. for Arsenal yeah. is pretty much nailed on in that team sheet. Whereas obviously they've had a bit of squad rotation in terms of some players out, some players in investment areas. There's competition, a little bit of competition on the left side with Martinelli and Trossard. And obviously we're still yet to see where Havertz is going to kind of sit in the new formation. Saka is nailed on, yeah. right? He's, he's going to start week in, week out. They have the games. They've got the form. Saka's on form. I, yeah, it's, that's another no-brainer for me. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, one thing we didn't mention when we look the fixtures actually who are looking pretty tasty are Brighton who obviously had a great season mm. and I think much like Arsenal a lot of their players were criminally underpriced last year such that they could only really go up so much this year and a few of them are still quite good value, really good value. Uh, the third most owned player is Estupinian who is, really? is a very attacking left back 52.6% oh. ownership and I had him in my team for a lot of the second half of last season he's got a lot of points really likes to get forward they've got very good games they open with Luton Wolves and West Ham which are all apparently easy games according to the FPL chart mm. and yeah I think he's quite cheap as well I think he's like 5, five million. Yeah. million which is not terrible value the fifth most owned is is Mitoma 38% who again had a great season anyone else from Bryson that would stand out for you that you think is worth considering or I'm going to keep an eye on pre-season. I think Julian Ciso yeah. at 5.5 in midfield um, looks like mm. a really good value option if you're looking for someone to either sit on a bench or come in for, the, say, that looting game. That looting game in the day week, game week one looks really appealing. I think that's, yeah. you know, got a big score written all over it. Really interesting to see how they line up up front as well. So they've just signed um, yeah. Jao Pedro from Watford, who actually started to look really appealing mm. towards the end of the season that he was in the Premier League with Watford. He's their record signing be really interesting to see if he comes in as first choice he's only five five i think 5.5 for a forward so same price as nc so um so i'm i thought you're talking about his height for a second he's saying he's five foot five, five, five. he's really What's small compact, um, weave in and out of big center yeah, backs um, yeah. low central gravity he so i'm okay i i'm interested to see where some of those new signings fit in i mm. think with alexis McAllister going to liverpool it's likely nc so will take that McAllister role and the other yeah. benefit for estupinian is that estupinian could be on penalties obviously it's not confirmed yet but he does take penalties for his national team that's a massive bonus if you've got a playing defender who's an attacking winger and is on penalties yeah, yeah. so bright brighton there's some really exciting options but i think whereas people are looking at them in their starting 11 i'm more interested about some of those bench options which then enable other players in the team but i know are potentially going to score or play you know should they come on should i need a player to come on from a bench yeah yeah definitely and we'll get on to the, the cheaper bench options again in a, in a minute but i skipped one out there because i wanted to group the two bryson players together but the one i missed in fourth place is marcus rashford no shock there 42.2 percent owned as it stands again man united don't have awful fixtures starting it off i mean they're playing us in the second mm-hmm. game and uh that, we saw how that went last time rashford obviously had an excellent season he's eight point no he's nine million he's, isn't nine, he? million. I think he's nine million yeah. i guess the big thing there is bruno fernandez is half a million cheaper yeah. i think that's one of the talking points as to which one of those or even both you go for how do you weigh those two up against each other at their respective prices yeah, it's a difficult one. Before United signed Mount, I probably yeah. would have gone for Fernandez. If you look at the XGXA 
and just the general stats from his season last season, he underperformed. So he should have mm. returned a lot more points than he did. You've also got to remember okay. when he joined the Premier League, he was one of the highest scoring FPL assets for the time that he was playing. And there's still a huge amount of potential there. He's always he's first choice penalty taker still for United. So there's a lot to yep. like. I want to look at some of preseason and just work out how they're going to line up with Mount because I don't think they've signed Mount to just sit on the bench to Bruno Fernandes. So it'd be interesting to see how that formation shifts mm. and, and whether Bruno pushes out more towards the right, whether they play two in that kind of 10 pivot. I don't I don't know. And I think that's where it'd be really interesting to see how they fare, whether Bruno sits deeper, whether Mount is more attacking, undecided yeah. at the moment. I think look, you could do a lot worse than Rashford. I think Rashford is a really good pick. Again, they've got good fixtures on the face of it. They've got a couple of really good home games in game week one and game week three, um, which you would probably expect them to win and potentially win to nil as well. They're just mm. about to sign Anana. He's obviously a very, very, very good keeper. Yeah, there's a lot to like, but it probably wouldn't be at the top of my shopping list at the moment. Fair enough. Well, um, yeah, you can see why they're both quite popular options anyway. That'll be interesting to see. Um, the other Man United player in this list with 34.8% ownership. Another one who potentially might play one of two positions is Luke, Luke Shaw, Shaw, who again, understandably, had a great season last year. He played quite a few games at centre-back, but it didn't seem to stop him getting points from what I remember. Mm. He got a lot of bonus points with a few clean sheets. Obviously, you'd always rather your defenders play in a more attacking role, in a wide role, so they can get the assists and get in the box and everything. But... 34.8% own Luke Shaw. Uh, he is 5.5. What do you think of him as an option? Prefer him to Fernandes and Rashford. And I think, again, I look really? at those two home fixtures in the first three weeks. Massive clean sheet potential. Again, they're signing a very good goalkeeper. They will also have their two first-choice centre-backs back. And you've got to remember for the second half of yeah. last season, they of didn't course, necessarily yeah. have their first-choice centre-backs in terms of Martinez and Varane fit. So hopefully that means that Shaw is out on the left. He's first choice. He's got it nailed down. The right side's a bit more up in the air, whether it's Dallow, whether it's Wan-Bissaka, who's first choice, whether they bring in someone else, doesn't seem to yeah. feel that they've got a necessarily a preference for that position. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like Shaw justified. Yeah, I'd be very, very happy with Shaw. Shaw in. I quite like yeah. the idea of doing Shaw for the first three weeks and then possibly swapping to a Chelsea defender that's at the same price. Unless Destiny Odogi has yeah. gone straight into the Spurs team and he's <laughs> flying down the wing, scoring a load of goals, but let's see. Um, two of the other four in this list, you've kind of hinted at already because they're Newcastle players and they're particularly highly owned, obviously based on their performances last season and perhaps people aren't looking at their fixtures or are overlooking their fixtures. Trippier, 34.1%. Botman, who's really cheap in fairness, at 28.9%. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do a lot worse than Botman purely because he's 4.5 million, so you can get him in and free up a bit of budget and it saves you making a transfer when their fixtures wake up a little bit further down the line but you think that's a bit of a red flag out of all of the ones we've mentioned so far i'm guessing you would avoid the newcastle players for the time being botman is the only one that i would be interested in exactly that you know newcastle had one of the best defenses in the league last year they're going to bolster the squad because the champions league football this year uh 4.5 million i I think he's underpriced he probably should have been 5 million this year but he's not gone up from last year so i'm not quite sure why fpl have done that so i can see why he has that ownership figure and it's worth understanding a lot of people that 
have Botman in their team is not to start Botman, it's to sit on the bench. Mm. So that actually, if you need a bench player to come on, you've got a reliable starter who's in a good defense and could pick up some clean sheet points. Trippier, I would just avoid. I just think yeah, you look, again, if you look at well. those um, opening fixtures and the list has just, just gone from in front of me. But it's just the, the games. they've. I mean, this is one of those things that last year I had Trippier in my team from game week one. And then I took him out for the Man City game where he scored a free kick. So we should always always remember that good players can still return points even in tricky fixtures. But I just think <laughs> yeah. there are better, given his price, there are a lot better options that are cheaper. And we've touched upon some of them in the terms in the likes of a Stepanian and Shaw and just yeah, I, I I would avoid Newcastle players from from that point of view. Fair enough. One of the others in this list who has quite high ownership and again unsurprisingly is Gabriel Jesus. Uh, I remember at the beginning of last year he had crazy high ownership, didn't yeah. he? Everyone had him in their team and he uh, didn't disappoint in the start of the season. Obviously back from injury, presumably he's fit now, likely to be starting centre forward for Arsenal. 32.8% own him. Obviously a good asset. I mean, I don't think there's any question there, but in terms of his price point, do you think there's anyone around that level that competes with him that you think would be an alternative around that range from what you've seen? Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at Ollie Watkins. I think Ollie mm. Watkins had a really good second half of the season. He's already scored though as a penalty in a you know fairly unsignificant preseason game. Again, Villa don't have the worst fixtures when you look at the first, I guess, kind of six, seven, eight game weeks. He's unchallenged in that position. There's a lot to like. So if Watkins then enables you to put three, two or three better Arsenal players than Jesus in, that is a good mm. move to me. And again, you're not going to do any wrong with Jesus, but you've also then got to look at it from a point of view of if you have Jesus, you can only have two other Arsenal players. So if one of them is Saka, actually then you you can't have... Um, you might not be able to have Martinelli, you might not be able to have Gabriel, you might not be able to have Ramsdale, Saliba, you know, Havertz yeah. might come into, they might change the way they structure their team. Havertz might start as a kind of false nine and actually start scoring loads of goals and all of a sudden you're going, mm. well, I can't get Havertz in because I've already got, you know, I'm already loaded on on Arsenal players and particularly Jesus' striker will be a lot more difficult to transition to a player in a different position. So, yeah, I, yeah. again, it's not a bad choice if you've got Jesus, but I would then just think about other options and if those options would enable, mm. I guess, kind of better picks elsewhere. But yeah, what for me at 8 million Watkins, and I think let's see again, I come back to Chelsea because of the fixtures. Let's see how Chelsea line up and whether any of their forward assets potentially become good value. I think on that point, it's probably worth mentioning that in truth, we are probably doing this a little early to have the best vantage point, right? Because there's still a few weeks to go. Pre-season's only just started. We mentioned Spurs and West Ham had their first pre-season game today. So I think realistically, by the time the season rolls around, then of course you can make changes in your team and pick your team right up to the minute before the season starts pretty much or an hour and a half before. The one player we haven't talked about in this list of the top 10 most owned um, is one that caught my eye and I did some research. Alphonse Ariola at West yeah. Ham is 29.5% ownership and is therefore the highest owned goalkeeper. I found out why and it's because Fabianski is strongly linked with a move away. So it's, uh, it's that old classic Danny Ward situation again. Hmm. He is 4. He's Zero, four, million, four million, four million, million yeah. which is excellent for a starting goalkeeper if it does happen that way. So you can see why that's interesting. On that point, while we're on goalkeepers, what are your thoughts in general on goalkeepers, both in terms of which ones stand out as interesting options, but also in terms of a strategy? Would you say pick a good goalkeeper and then a four million cheap one? Would you pick two that you could swap between? 
Yeah, so there's a number of ways that you can approach keepers, and and one one is to pick two keepers from the same team because generally the second keeper yeah. will be a four million like bench option. So take Man City as an example. Edison is five point five, Ortega is four million. So actually, if Edison doesn't play, Ortega comes in, and you know that you're not going to lose points for not having a playing goalkeeper. Bit of a waste of a Man City slot, though. Yeah, if you do it, 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 it is. For it example, is, an, yeah. as, as an you example, you wouldn't do Man City, but yeah, I take yeah. your point. Um, then there's a really interesting train of thought that if you speak to a lot of I guess kind of like high performing players they would often have a set and forget 4.5 million goalkeeper i.e it's the cheapest you can get into a good goalkeeper ultimately freeing up funds for other areas of the team and then hopefully get some reliable returns and save points off the back of it. Um, David Raya last season, I think was a really good example of that where ultimately started the season, I believe at 4.5 4. million. Yeah. The season before it was, um, and, and actually this is where there's some really interesting stats. So before last season, I think for the last, five prior the highest scoring goalkeeper had been a five million goalkeeper so i find mm. it really interesting that a lot of people overlook the five millions because they go if i save half a million here i can spend that you know it's upgrading a james madison to a gabriel martinelli or an, an eight million midfielder um but actually are you yeah. going to outscore more points over the course of a season with a five million starting goalkeeper i think with goalkeepers it's a case of looking at the leverage returns really isn't it because generally goalkeepers don't score as many points as generally outfield players so i think if you can use that 0.5 million to upgrade to a midfielder that's going to get you more mm. points you, you probably see a bigger upside or at least that that's the way i see it but can certainly see the argument for other ways of doing it the other thing with goalkeepers is that you need to just pick one and stick on it because ultimately when they get their yeah. real upside is when they save penalties and that's something you just can't <laughs> you can't you can't predict and so the number yeah. of times in past seasons when I didn't do as well where ultimately I've moved a keeper on before a game and then they've saved a penalty and they've had a clean sheet and they've returned 15 16 points and then you're kind of going, yeah. why did I even bother with that transfer? If you're going to pick a keeper, pick a keeper, stick with it and just kind of see it through. Yeah. Not necessarily for the whole Don't season, but yeah. That's what wild cards are for. I, it's a waste of a transfer, if you ask me. I think, you know, you only get one transfer a week and to start messing around with your keepers, it's just not worth it. It's not fun. It's not fun. Who cares? <laughs> Change the strikers and, and attacking midfielders. That's where the game's won. So I think it's worth saying, so my strategy, and I don't know if you agree with this or if this is the done thing, but I think a lot of people when they first start playing FPL attempted to spread their budget quite thinly across the whole 15 so that they've got a nice balance and that they're not you know they're all in one basket so to speak personally i like to try and put as much of my budget into an 11 and then go for the cheapest possible bench i can at the beginning it's just occurred to me that i've essentially hijacked a question from a listener that i was going to ask um, and it is from somebody that you will know well this is from charles stewart who listens occasionally when he feels like it he's dropped off his listen account a little bit recently since we stopped doing quizzes at the end of every episode because uh, in his words that was the only bit he liked but I think he might be listening to this one so sorry Charles if I just kind of jumped on your question he basically says is it best to get 15 half decent signings or are you an advocate of the enabler cheapest possible players on your bench enabling you to afford Haaland and Salah I would agree with you in previous seasons this year I think I've changed my mind slightly Interesting. and I think we saw it towards the end of last year where there's now there's a lot more rotation within squads mm. And obviously the five substitute rule drove a lot yeah. of that. But it's worth having, for me, I'm quite keen. And I think because it, and it comes back to this, how many really expensive players do you have in your team? Actually, if I can have one super premium player in Haaland, 
and I can use those funds to have a much stronger overall squad yeah. and then maximize the fixtures that are coming up. That to me is quite mm. tempting rather than having a really strong 11 and then a bench that potentially isn't going to play or return any points. But I think if you can get that cheap bench, say I, I touched on it earlier, if there's a way that I can get Haaland and Kane in into the starting 11 and actually a really cheap bench enables me to do that, that would be potentially the thing that would swing it back towards all of the budget on the starting 11 really cheap bench rather than a balanced squad. On that point, if you are of the school of thought that you want to fill up your bench with the cheapest possible <laughs> players, obviously you want to make them players that might actually get you some points when called upon. So I've got a list of a few here that might be worth considering. And Pricey, throw some more in if you've got any that you think are worth mentioning. We talked about Ariola at 4 million. That's a great deal. You've already mentioned Flecken as potentially the starting goalkeeper for Brentford at 4.5. And Don Belay, again, we talked about might not be a guaranteed starter, but if he does get into the team, could be a big upside on that one. One player that's a bit of a returning hero for me, who I had in my team a couple of years back in FPL, the last time they were in the Premier League, when everyone else had his teammates, John Lundstrom, Bulldog. is George Bulldog at Sheffield United, who is a bit of a hero because he was in my FPL team, but also he was a legend of one of my greatest ever football manager saves where I took Grimsby to multiple Champions Leagues. Uh, and he was one of the players in my early seasons there. Um, four million for a starting right wing back at Sheffield United. You can do a lot worse, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, funnily enough, I it's it's interesting because everyone has looked at Bayer at Burnley and Bell at Luton as the kind of go to four million. Yeah, those two are on my list as well. Bench yeah. options four and um, Bulldog has better fixtures. Um, you've got to remember that Luton and Burnley actually missed their game week two game now um, because Luton yeah. Stadium isn't ready to to host anyone, let alone a Premier League game. Um, so I don't know where they're going to get yeah. a new stadium from in about three weeks' time. But Bulldog, yeah, he's it's great. If you're looking for a four million defender to enable the rest of the squad look no further than George Bulldog. Yeah, I can give you a bit of a spoiler and say that he's <laughs> in my team at the moment. So I imagine that will stay. Um, in terms of strikers, so say you did want to try and shoehorn in Haaland and Kane and you wanted to get the cheapest possible third striker. I should mention that you pick five defenders, five midfielders and three strikers and two keepers for those who don't know. Um, if you want your cheapest possible third option striker, is there anyone that you would recommend? Because a couple that I've got listed here are Semenyo at Bournemouth at 4.5, who I think was their main man last year and scored a fair few goals. Always a bit of a gamble with teams coming up. And the other one, which is a bit of a running theme for some of these cheaper options, is Balogun at Arsenal, who there's a lot of rumours about him moving on loan to another Premier mm. League club. And he's 4.5 million based on the fact that he hasn't got a hope in hell of starting at Arsenal. But of course, if he goes to someone in the bottom half, he may well be first choice. Um, anyone else like that that you can recommend? Yeah, the one the one that's, the one that's caught my eye and, and did so again today because he netted against us, actually, is yeah. Divin uh, Mabama at, at West Ham. So 4.5 4. million. You know, yes, he's okay. got competition from Antonio Skimaka and Danny Ings. But he is, he's been playing in the preseason tour and he's been scoring goals. And I, I don't think he's going to start every week. But actually, if West Ham are looking at I guess, yeah. the next up and coming generation of forwards and they're willing to take a little bit of a punt on him in some of the games, you could probably do a lot worse than having a. You've, you've got to remember, if you're yeah. going to put 4.5 million into a striker, none of them have ever done well. So, or, or have scored more than about 20, was, 20 points in a season. How much was Ferguson last year? At Bryson, uh, he was cheap, wasn't he? He was 4.5, yeah. He was 
he didn't do badly. He's probably one of the one of the better ones. Uh, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's low risk, high reward. You know, you're not putting them in to start. They're they're just there to build up the numbers. And then if, if they get into the team, there's an injury to one of the first players. You've got them in the team, then you're you're laughing. Speaking of the players potentially going on loan, Nakamba, marvelous Nakamba, Villa is potentially going on loan to Luton at four point five million, where mm-hmm. he will almost certainly be a regular starter. So that's an interesting one. So there's a few options there. There are a few options, and I'm sure you might have one or two of them in your team pricing. So I think it's probably about time that we reveal your team. And then if I think it sounds way too good, I might refuse <laughs> to reveal my team. But we'll see how it goes. Can you can you walk through your current draft for us? Yeah, I can. And you know, I, I nearly I nearly changed because oh, at this stage <laughs> in the season, have I got in your head already? Go through a lot of iterations. And actually, when I did this yeah. episode last year, the, the team I revealed was completely different to the team I started on week one. So I should <laughs> and, and that, I should actually. say I'm fully expecting that this is pointless and you will have a completely different team in a few weeks. I don't know. Do you know what? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so let's see so look in goal um, I've gone for Jordan Pickford um, okay. so 4.5 yeah. million starting 4.5. keeper Everton Everton have got a good run of games there's definitely a clean sheet or two in there um, he'll get save yeah. points so yeah for, for me it's a good I think it's probably one of the best if not the best 4.5 million option watching that Brentford situation with Flecken and, and Rea pretty closely mm-hmm. I've then gone for 3-5-2 in terms of formation at the moment mm. Interesting. Which is is pretty template. So a lot of people are, are opting for three five two at the moment. I wouldn't be opposed to four four two. And actually that's what I'm the other options I'm looking at. And I think there are a lot of good value defenders that five five point five million mark at the moment, and particularly mm. with the Chelsea wing backs in Chilwell and James, if they have a good preseason with those fixtures, could I see four four two with the two Chelsea wing backs working well after that Liverpool game? Absolutely. But for now, three five two, uh Trent Alexander Arnold jumping on the bandwagon there for obvious reasons. Um and Arsenal so I've gone for Saliba at the moment over Gabrielle and the reason the reason okay. is everyone's gone for Gabriel, right? And actually, I think Saliba is the much better defender. Look, they're both centre-backs, so there's less likelihood of them getting an attacking return than a wing-back. But what we did see from Saliba last year was when he played, he actually picked up a couple of goals, as Gabriel did as well. They're both threats from corners. Mm. For me, there's not much to choose between them. So actually, if Saliba is only 14% ownership, whereas Gabriel is, what, probably about 30? So he's half the ownership already potentially got a differential for two players who are likely to score a similar amount of points i promise i'm not changing my team on the fly based on what you're telling me right now i'm going to keep it how it is um third defender is stupinian at brighton we we spoke about him earlier that's an obvious one leads in a very popular choice um into midfield the two i've gone for what i'd probably call the two template 6.5 midfielders so that's mitoma and umbermo uh Brentford so yeah. we touched on Mbermo okay. earlier Tony's out he should be on penalties he will probably still play out on the wing and I think Wissa will play through the middle but Wissa mm. will get rotated more and Burmo is incredibly attacking finished last year in really good form I think for a 6.5 million midfielder he's guaranteed to start and play in an advanced position and on penalties yeah. it's a really good option 
Matoma. Yeah, Patrick against Spurs opening day. <laughs> um, Matoma, same reasons at Brighton, 6.5 million. Um, you know, only pretty much played half a season last year, but, you know, what was his points return? It was pretty silly. And at 6.5, you can't really argue. So, yeah, Matoma and Mbermo are pretty kind of set in terms of I think, a lot of teams, and that enables other players. Um, I've then gone for an Arsenal double up on midfield, so Saka and Martinelli. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the reason I've gone for Martinelli is I think because a lot of people are going for Jesus and Gabriel and Saka, Martinelli is being overlooked and I expect him to be the first choice mm. on that left side of the pitch. He was their standout player for me last season. Yeah. I think yeah. even at 8 million just feels like he's going to be really good value, particularly looking at that opening run of games. So It sounds obvious, but I think he's so young he's improving yeah. that there's no reason why he won't have a better, better season, season this yeah, year. Absolutely. I mean, they've, they've improved. I mean, we all want to see them crash and burn, but let's be honest, realistically, they're probably going to be very good again this year and they've improved their team. And yeah, he was a big part and, of it. And, and, and 8 million, you can, you can go sideways. And that's the great thing about it is you can then, yeah. if needed move to you know madison at 7.5 or you could move to sterling at 7 million or you know if any Mm. of these players that have high expectations suddenly come into form you can trade down trading up is a lot harder trading down is much easier so saka martinelli um and then the last midfielder is actually jack Grealish. Hmm. so for me man city are a really interesting proposition obviously everyone has harland not many people are then looking at other city assets and you've still got to remember that they are the best team in the league they have a good run of fixtures Burnley's got five goals written all over it because when do they not score five goals against (laughs) Burnley in terms of that opening fixture it's a literally a coin toss between Grealish and Foden I think Grealish is more nailed for that left side of position and he's got that down. Oh, you think because who do they sell? Who's left? Uh, Gundogan. Gundogan. Yeah. Got, so you think? Um, let's talk about Foden's Mahrez going to step in. Yeah. I. Yeah. I guess. I guess if that happens, that that definitely changes I think, things. Because yeah. De Bruyne is probably going to miss the first game of the season as well because of injury. I think yeah. Foden starts the season. I think he probably starts in that Gundogan mm-hmm. role, which is actually quite exciting. Because then if he's running in like off Haaland, potentially there's points and returns there. But I think for a more consistent individual to just sit on for seven, eight game weeks again, you know, there's movable to a James Madison or a kind of another 7.5 million or cheaper player. I think Grealish, I, I really like. And again, he's he's for his, I guess, kind of, you know, return and the season he had last year he's only eight percent ownership i i didn't even think of Grealish until you mentioned him and that makes no sense because he was pretty much a mainstay in my team for most of the second half of last season and did not disappoint um my only concern with Grealish is that he might still be hung over to be honest <laughs> with you by the time the season starts because he's had a wild summer so that's uh we'll see how he picks things up again so who you got up front is that your midfield yeah so then and then the two strikers um i've touched on both of them earlier it's harland and watkins yeah. so the, re- the reason yeah. i've gone for watkins is it enables me to go for three other arsenal players than than Jesus in Saka, Martinelli and Saliba. Haaland is an absolute no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite excited about Watkins this year and, and, and again is another player with relatively low ownership for his role. So he's 14% compared to yeah. Jesus. And that's that, 3-5-2. And then for bench, I've got Ariola as my first bench option. Well, I mentioned Mbama as a 4.5 million, potentially, you know, playing striker. Let's see, but that's pretty much a kind of a bench, um, you know, just kind of like a holding position or, a, uh, you know, it's a, a placeholder. My, my team name last year was um, the left plunge, which was a, play on the left flange because of Luke Plange who's a <laughs> Crystal Palace 4.5 million striker. I might... When you say flange, 
Do Do you mean phalange, as in Phoebe and Friends? Yeah, a bit a bit of that, a bit of other things as well. But you yeah. but you decided to make it sound that little bit dirtier, just because you couldn't resist, yeah. you couldn't help yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Mabama is yeah, kind of interchangeable with any 4.5, but let's see if he gets a bit more game time. So the next yeah. two bench options are really interesting. So actually, this is where I've got some money on my bench. So I've then got Reese James. Mm. Right. So right. Reese James, 5.5 million. I'm not going to start him for game week one against Liverpool because Liverpool will probably score. I, he'll probably get injured as well. But if he doesn't get injured and then you go into that run of Chelsea games and actually I've already got one of their wing backs that I can bring straight into that starting 11, probably for a Mm. Stepanian or even potentially dropping Mbermo down to the bench or Matoma down to the bench and going 4-4-2 rather than 3-5-2 that's kind of where my head's at, at the moment that's really interesting that's a that's a proper ace in the hole that one because not many people are going to take that approach i imagine having somebody like that's someone that you you start if you pay yeah. that much money for a defender you want someone that you're going to start in game week one generally yeah and i i just i i want some flexibility around chelsea and like i don't i don't want to overcommit to chelsea because it's chelsea but if they turn up at the season okay and they've got those run of games, I don't want to not be able to get two or three Chelsea players into my team. So I need to start with one of them. Okay. And then the final is um, Destiny Udogi at the moment. Destiny, okay, I like uh, it. He's a 4.5 million defender. And, and look, he's going to sit on the bench. And But again, it's that if he does become that first choice left back, or left wing back, or however we set it up, and he gets minutes and he gets attacking returns, you've also got to look at the players that are going to go up in price. Um, if we look at Botman as a 4.5 million comparison at Newcastle, he's not going to go up in price because he's already got such high ownership. Whereas Destiny, who I think is a like, ludicrously low ownership at the moment, 0.5% ownership. If all of a sudden wow. he's first choice left back at Spurs and we get a couple of clean yeah. sheets in some of those like three to game, game week three to game week five fixtures, he potentially goes to 4.7, 4.8 million quite quickly. And actually you're just gaining, you're gaining yeah. cash, you're gaining value. So um, yeah, there exactly. you go. That's my, my current yeah, draft. He's, he's an attacking fullback as well. You know what? He's he's just flown right into the forefront of my estimations. I, I think I'm going to have to work him into the team for two reasons, actually. One, because you've sold me on him. And <laughs> having watched him today in the highlights against West Ham, he looked excellent and he scored a goal as well. Let's not forget, he did score a goal ahead of corner, So he's definitely a goal threat. And I actually wouldn't be that shocked if he does start starting for Spurs. I actually think he could work his way into the team quite quickly. And the second reason is because my team's named after him. Um, as a perennially mature, 37 year old man i have chosen to name my fpl team you doggy style so uh i apologize <laughs> for that i mean i'm only a little bit sorry but yeah i had to um had to work that one in there so just quickly my team and, and i should say i don't actually hate my team it doesn't disgust me quite as much as i thought it would having heard yours it's not that far apart in all truth but i'll run through it quickly um, and bear in mind I, I threw this together without looking at any statistics on ownership i didn't look at the fixtures i just went through it and picked a team pretty much instinctively um i have leno in goal Ariola on my bench nice. i've got uh, gabriel estupinian again alexander arnold again i have got botman but you may well have taught me out of him um i've got bulldog then my midfield is Mbomo, mitoma rashford madison and Serie A champion Tongi Ndombele, who is, uh, I think, going to be a secret weapon when he bursts into the scene. Uh, I, I joke, I actually can't see him starting too many games <laughs> at all, but uh, he's 4.5 million. And then my strike force is Erling Haaland, 
and Harry Kane at the moment nice. with I've got a, a young man called Connolly as my 4.5 million uh, Aaron Connolly, player. I think Brighton. he's a Brighton. Yeah. I, I believe he's Brighton. I don't know anything about him. And I literally only picked him because he was the first 4.5 million <laughs> player I saw. And I only had that much left. So that's you, my he, team. He, he was supposed to be Evan Ferguson before. <laughs> you know what? I think that's why I picked him. I think I thought he was Evan Ferguson. I thought, isn't that that kid who was banging goals in <laughs> yeah, last yeah. season? That's he was, he was supposed, he, he was supposed to him. be. He's not much of a kid anymore. I think he's like kind of mid, mid-20s. But he was supposed to be the oh, next big thing, but um, oh. never really materialised. Um, okay. Yeah. He's he scored against us actually. He scored an absolute worldie against us a couple of seasons ago when Brighton. I think it was a bit three nil, and Connolly came off the bench and scored against us. It was probably his first ever goal for the yeah. club, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he scored two. No, players love scoring actually, their yeah. first goals against Spurs. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, that's my team. Um, I haven't even thought about my formation, but I imagine it's probably a four four two. Looking at it now, but. As we said earlier, it will almost definitely change entirely. So that is uh, that is Udoggy style and uh, look forward to updated drafts on Twitter. While I'm here, actually, you might as well mention Twitter. So you can follow the Plus Dave podcast at Plus Dave podcast and you can follow me at Plus Dave Dags. And um, I expect you're still on Twitter strike until Elon Musk parts ways with the company. You haven't thought about setting up an account at the other Dave or something like that? I, pro- I probably should do. No, I've, Plus I, Dave I, the I, second. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on threads now. It's uh, Twitter's old news. Oh, you, you're such a hipster. I love it. Okay, well, we, we might have to we might have to migrate over there at some point or get with the times. Brilliant. Well, look, I think that, that's more or less most of the key points covered. The only thing I wanted to say was, do you have any kind of just overarching top tips to give to new players or old players alike? I mean, I'm sure uh, plenty of people who've been playing for 10 years could still learn a thing or two. But if you were to whittle it down to, say, your top three FPL tips, what would you say are the most important things to consider. Yeah, so the the ones that I still try and hold true to every season are don't overinvest in one team unless you're really confident mm. that you are going to see significant returns from that team or you have an easy way to get out of three players from that team. The reason being is you can become really over leveraged on one or two results a lot of people saw it well i made up a lot of ground last season when everyone had triple arsenal and then they went on that run of form in terms of bad results at the end of the season and yes there were a couple of players that still started kind of getting returns like martinelli but saka went a huge run of games without returning um and just being over leveraged on one team can be brilliant but it can be it's high risk high reward so i would always aim for two and then that gives you the flexibility to go up to three if it's a no-brainer or or you can come down yeah. if you want to get out of it. So yeah, don't overinvest in one. Um, don't chop and change players or assets really regularly. Make sure you're holding them so you see a return. And look, hmm. trust yourself. We, exactly, trust you've got to back choices. your decisions right. And and yeah. that is a blend of watching these guys play. It's looking at the data. It's don't be afraid of the trends, right? If a player is being bought in by loads of other people and you jump on early enough, you'll see the the value in their price rise, you know, rather than necessarily a point return, yeah. which equally has its own value later in the season. So don't don't worry about following, I guess, kind of trends. But for me, yeah. what is really bad is bringing in a player for like a game week and then selling him and going to someone else. And then you probably want someone for at yeah. least five weeks 
to really kind of see whether mm-hmm. actually it's going to return the points that you know you've bought him in for but don't be afraid to yeah. get rid of players ultimately if, if it's kind of not going on but then conversely i think on that point that's related is, is don't jump on bandwagons just because a player is suddenly up in ownership or down in ownership based on one game yeah. because he was the, he was the really guy from brentford much. last year or, that everyone bought in the first couple of game weeks because he scored a couple of goals and then his but his stat his stats were terrible that might have been Wissa actually was that Wissa? no it was a mid i can't remember the guy's name but there was a guy yeah, I, I know what you everyone mean I bought him that. and then yeah. he didn't do anything for the rest of the season <laughs> So yeah. yeah, anyone can have a blinder of a game. It doesn't mean they're going to do it again next week. Yeah, you yeah. need to look for patterns over um, the course absolutely. of absolutely. So yeah, games, don't, really. don't hold assets. Don't don't just kind of chop and change really regularly. Um, and then similarly mm-hmm. on the subject of holding things, hold your chips for double weeks. Like I did, so many people. Yes. Just why didn't I listen to this <laughs> last year? Where was this advice in our preseason <laughs> FPL? Like Special just blow, blow yeah. their chips on random weeks because it's a good fixture and mm. it's just, you know, yes, you might get lucky. And there were a lot of people in the early part of last season who triple captain Harland on one of the weeks he banged a hat trick in. Great. But you're always going to yeah. statistically get a better return of all of your chips targeting those double game weeks, which happen at the end of the season. And they happen because of cup games. Obviously, we're now out of COVID. So there's going to be less cancellations in terms of unseen factors. You might get some weather cancellations, given that we now live in yeah. like an alien world when it comes to the kind of the, the mm. weather in the UK. But ultimately, it's going to be down to cup and European competition or presumably cup, FA Cup competition, which drives double game weeks. And therefore, you always know that come, I think it's 28, 29, 32, 36, you're always going to get a double game yeah. weeks. I think on the point of double game weeks while you're at it, it's an absolute nightmare trying to theorize as to when game weeks might be doubled up, when there might be blank weeks, who's going to get a game when, and there are so many permutations that it's not even worth trying to work it out yourself. And you should definitely use resources online to keep track of that. My go-to guy on Twitter that I think a lot of people are familiar with in the FBL community is a guy called Ben Krellin, who is just at Ben Krellin, one word, um, shout out to him. He is brilliant at putting together detailed graphs that basically say the chance that this team is going to have a blank game week or a double game week in this week. And you can kind of plan ahead and think about what your transfers are going to be because it can be quite overwhelming and really confusing. And it changes on the fly, depending on what happens with cup games and everything, as you say. So yeah, highly recommend checking out his Twitter and keeping an eye on what's going on there. Yeah. So yeah. So those are your top tips. Those are my those are my top tips. There are loads more. Um, it's funny because one of the big ones I keep on kind of seeing is that don't you know don't make transfers until right before the weekend. So you know um, what's going on. Like oh yeah, the squad. rage transfer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we've all been guilty of that. <laughs> um, yeah, your player doesn't score, so you're like he's rubbish, yeah. and you you take him out, bring in someone, and there's still five days until the game, and they get injured. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure I'm fully mistake. fully full of that, but yeah, those those are those are my my top <laughs> top tips going into the season. Yeah, don't be rash. Be patient hold on to the players don't transfer them out too quickly don't make three or four transfers in one week and burn 12 points just because you had a bad week and you decided that your whole team is rubbish like i've done in the past but yeah other than that i think we've covered most bases and finally the last thing i wanted to go over just to round this up because this is getting on a little bit now and i'm conscious that half the people here are probably already left because they <laughs> tuned in hoping for a an in-depth tactical analysis of the new season i want to run some spurs team names by you because uh, we put a tweet out asking people to recommend their best uh, spurs team names and i want you to give me give me a mark out of 10 mark out of 10 for these names we'll do a little bit of quick fire there aren't too many but i'll run through them i've already given you my new doggy style which is obviously an automatic 10 um 
Sons of Anjarki. Are you a fan? Yeah, seven. Yeah, okay, seven. That's not too bad. Uh, <laughs> Levi La Vida Loca. Strong. I, I quite like the... Um, <laughs> Yeah, the the referee. I'm going to give that a an, an eight, actually. An eight. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a rare representation for for Daniel yeah. there. Doesn't normally get too many uh, shout outs. Uh, Live and let die. That's poor too. Poor. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not a fan of that one. Um, I quite love this one. Jedi Knights, spelt D J E D I. Um, <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, five. It's quite obvious. You'd probably expect something like that, really. Pride and Perisic. <laughs> uh, six. <laughs> It's so bad, it's good, I think. Yeah. Six, okay. Uh, get rich or die trying. Oh, that's even worse. That's a one. <laughs> I feel like these are gradually getting worse, aren't they? This one barely makes sense. Best in Alderweireld. <laughs> what? <laughs> it takes a second, doesn't it? It takes a second. I think it's meant to be like best in all the world. Yeah, yeah. Best um, in Alderweireld. It's so bad. It's better than the so die bad, one, it's say good, three. Though. Okay. Uh, this is an old classic. Silence of the Lamellas. <laughs> Excellent. I'm a big fan of that one. Big fan of that I've one. Got a yeah, lot of that's time that could be a nine. Okay, you can have a nine. The Bentancurian Candidate. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite good, actually. Uh, that's a seven. I quite like that. A couple more. Dr. Hoidberg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I'm a huge there. Futurama fan, so that's a ten. I know. Yeah. Ten, yeah. <laughs> and finally. <laughs> When Yama's in pyjamas. It's a classic from seasons gone by. <laughs> is, that is a classic, uh, yeah. That's it can also, new also be a 10. Yeah, fair play. We, 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 we go out on a high note. Uh, fantastic. Well, I'm sure there's plenty more we can say, but we will be checking in as the season goes on and seeing how we're all doing and seeing if you can back up your authoritative advice and expertise and take it into a third straight season of victory, just like Man City. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But for those of you who are still with us and would like to take part in our Plus Dave podcast Super League and take on Pricey and try and topple him from his champion's throne. The code again is 4GRD8O. O as opposed to zero for the avoidance of doubt. So that's 4GRD8O. We'll post that on Twitter as well, so you won't miss out on that if you want to get involved. And you'll be up against all of us regulars from the podcast, as well as many other listeners and followers on Twitter, and hopefully a few others as well. We might even ask John McKenzie to join that group as well, because uh, I don't know if he's an FPL player, but of course now he is uh, a friend of the pod, shall we say. And uh, on that note, for those who didn't listen in last week, I would urge you to go and check that out, because we're all really happy with how that one went it was a great episode huge pull to get john from the tifo show on the podcast as well that one's a lot more of what we would usually be discussing on this podcast if you're new that's very much a deep dive into the tactical comings and goings of postcoglu and an analysis of the transfer window so far it's a very good episode i'd urge all of you to go back and check that one out as well fantastic i think that's more or less everything for this episode do you have any closing thoughts anything you want to mention any fighting talk this is like a wwe promo before wrestlemania <laughs> just I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you one final piece of insight and i'm gonna mm. leave you with it yes lukaku is only 0.7 percent owned <laughs> I'm not sure that classifies as insight, if I'm honest. I think that falls into the bracket of just pure trolling. as you will. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. We were doing so well until then, weren't we? Brilliant. Well, Pricey, once again, thank you for joining us. And um, it's been a pleasure. 
And uh, I like to say that I've taken on board all of your expertise, but as we know, you will probably still finish above me this season. So uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll be checking in periodically with how everyone's doing in the league and we'll be keeping a close eye on FPL and Dave and his emotional hedges, captaining the player that's about to score a goal against Leeds every week. But no, he's not. He's Leeds aren't in the Premier League. What am I saying? Oh, I'm just trolling Dave without even trying now. That's how easy it's become. Pricey will potentially be joining us for some upcoming episodes once the season gets underway as well. So if you've enjoyed listening to him, then uh, stick around for more of that as well as myself and of course regulars Elio Sox and of course the other Dave Leeds Dave brilliant we will speak to you all very soon and we will have another episode for you shortly to talk about preseason. and hope we can all have as many of you for that as possible stay classy Spurs fans and we will see you soon yeah.